Proudly coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Frontier Podcast. I'm your host, Ledge, and we are powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes and join the conversation at the Frontier Pod on Twitter. Giddy up! In this episode, Ledge chats with Ryan Burgess, software engineering manager at Netflix, about leading their acquisition UI team and optimizing the sign-up and login process for one of the highest usage apps on the planet. They discuss the challenges of coordinating among engineering teams at such a massive scale, working on technologies that span a multitude of different platforms, and how Netflix incorporates A-B testing at the core of everything they do while delivering your weekend video binge. Ryan, great to have you here, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to join the podcast today. So I know who you are and, and you've done some amazing things, but for the audience's sake, can you give your two or three minute you know, background introduction? Two or three minutes. I might be pretty bored with that, but uh, I am a uh, software engineering manager at Netflix. I lead a team that's called the Acquisition UI team. Um, and what we focus on is building, really, we build up sign up. Uh, so registration, payment, uh, onboarding, login, really everything that gets our customers into using Netflix. And what's unique about our team is we're doing that cross platform. So we're building UIs for iOS, Android, website, and TV. Um, So there's really unique challenges that come with how to support cross-platform on our teams. And I think another thing that I've always really been a fan of, of what Netflix is doing, and uh, even one of the big reasons why I joined Netflix was the A-B testing culture, um, is that we're we're not just shipping a feature. I always joke we're not really shipping features, we're actually shipping A-B tests. We're constantly iterating on, you know, whether it be in the product of that users are using to playback. Um, but even in, I think of the signup flow is we're constantly iterating on that to build a great user experience. And we don't always know what the best user experience is until you really get, understand the data and actually see it in real production. Um, so I think that's always been something that I love as an engineer is that constant iteration and feedback. And sometimes it's painful because you think it's a great user experience and then it's not. So, um, but it's good to know. It's like, ultimately, I'd rather know if it's a good user experience or a good feature that we're rolling out and, and really get that feedback. Um, I'm also uh, on a podcast or a panelist uh, on a podcast called the Front End Happy Hour. Uh, so we we have drinks and talk about front end. So you can you know hear about us talking about all different sorts of topics. Uh, usually, typically around the like front end software software engineering uh, industry. So um, that's been a good one as well. Yeah, we'll get that in the show notes for sure. And uh, I'd be happy to be invited and talk about front end with. Oh, you're with always me. welcome. And to be on the one thing that's harder is you and I are remote right now. Uh, one thing that we've stayed true to um, because it is a you know, a happy hour and sitting around talking in a room. We are legitimately in a room. There is no remote call. We have yet to do that. Um, we've done episodes where we are live uh, on like stage on a uh, conference panel, things like that. But we've yet to do a remote call and we're trying to really stick to that more in the um, in the conversational aspect. So we do travel. So next time I'm in your area or you're in the Bay Area, we should definitely connect in. Yeah, that's good. That. That's good. We'll get the party together. Yeah, so I'd be yes. remiss. I mean, look, you're you're from Netflix. You work on one of the biggest apps in like the entire universe. So you know, before we get into the the neat stuff about culture and all the things that you guys are famous for, and, and the team and AB and all that, just I have to ask, you know, just a little picture of the journey 
of, of the tech that goes into just such a, you know, a monstrously used app. I think that, that everybody, every entrepreneur and, and mobile developer at least will want to know that. So give me the baseline. Wow, that's, that's a deep, deep question um, and probably has a long, long way to go about answering that. Uh, but I think for me, some of the things that are unique uh, and that people actually know about Netflix is we're known for microservices. And um, one thing that's really been beneficial, I think, to Netflix in general, whether it be in the culture um, or how we write and create features um, across the app is like, obviously, there's a lot of teams involved. And one thing that's been really unique by having such a microservice uh, culture and like really splitting the applications up that way is it really allows us to run uh, independent. Uh, we're, we're ultimately achieving the same goal. We're all on that same mission of what we're trying to achieve. Uh, but there's you can really rely on teams to take their end of it and run with it um, and run independently um, and, and really focus on that quality and aspect of what they're doing. So my team focusing on the UI is they're going to build a performant user experience as much as possible. And it allows us to really specialize and think about that strategically. Um, so that's, that's been a really helpful aspect, um, really speaking to like the large aspect. And there's, you know, there's teams that I probably don't even realize that we're interacting with because there's so, so many layers down the stack, um, which is great is like, I don't necessarily have to, the, the systems are working and I interact with maybe a team that eventually interacts with that. So um, I think that's kind of unique and, and is a bit of a summary. I mean, we could go on hours and hours of going down the stack and, and thinking about how Netflix works in that way. Um, I feel like there's even been talks where we've shown diagrams of our system and it, yeah, it's a complicated system. Yeah, I mean, it has to be, you're probably, I mean, you're under probably the greatest load that could you know, ever be documented of, of any service. So, you know, it, um, the, the AB split testing culture, I think, I think is huge. And I mean, you hear about this, you know, with any in sort of mega scale service. Um, but, you know, just talk through like how, how that would work, you know, when you, when you roll out a new feature or, you know, the things that you learn from it and, you yeah. know, um, just, you know, how, how that impacts the, the actual day to day in your UX and, and front end world. Yeah, I think about it. Let's start from even like the beginning of like how an A-B test is even kind of started is at the end of the day or the, the start to an A-B test is really going to like, what's our hypothesis? Like, what are we trying, you know, back to our like, you know, sixth grade science class. Yeah. What's your hypothesis to this? Like, what do you expect to happen or what are you trying to test and achieve? Um, oftentimes, that's a really big collaboration with our teams between uh, like for my team especially is working closely with a product engineer, uh, sorry, a product manager, as well as like design UX, um, as well as our engineering teams to really think like, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Not necessarily, here's the spec and feature, let's roll it out as an A-B test. It's really thinking about how do we achieve to this like hypothesis and what does that look like? Then it's a really isolating the variables. So it's like really understanding, like say if we were doing something very simple where it's like a copy test where it's like, you know, sign up for Netflix free or sign up for a free month or like thinking's really just, that's a pretty simple thing to test, but you want to isolate all the variables um, and run them at the same time in production. Um, so once the variables and uh, features are created, uh, we then do actually run production traffic all at the same time. And so that could be, if there's two variations, that could be just a 50-50 split of traffic that are coming to um, that feature. 
uh, randomly generated, like you and I won't necessarily uh, be in the same test. We could be. It's randomized. Uh, we don't really want, you know, to be like, well, everyone in the U.S. gets this feature and everyone in uh, Japan gets this feature. Well, that doesn't really work that well. It's not very, um, you're not going to hit statistical significance um, that well. And it's, you know, a little biased um, when you do that. So I think about is you sometimes will have tests that have like four or five variations, 10 variations all running at the same time. Uh, so we can all actually be experiencing Netflix in different uh, aspects that uh, are different from each other. You have such an enormous production user base. Is there any temptation or reason to ever do, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, and G tests? Or is that sort of... Absolutely. Happening? I guess, yeah, I guess that's what I was alluding to in the sense that it's not necessarily just an A, B is a 50-50 split. Sometimes, yes. Um, but there might be, you know, five or six variations of a single test. And that so that would be like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, or whatever that looks like. Then there's also the potential that um, we're running a test in one area and then another team is running another test and, and so forth. Um, so there are times when you can be in multiple A-B tests, but there's also times where we have to caution that is that that could actually potentially not work well as like they, those two tests could butt up against each other and not build the best user experience. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's always an interesting uh, discussion on how we run these tests and run them out, but essentially, yeah, you can have multiple variations in one test. How do you get that organizational, you know, working together on, on that? It's such a big thing. So many teams, you know, I'm reminded of these websites that you go to and you're like, it's very obvious that nobody communicated that they're A-B split testing one thing while this ad pops up over it from the other team, right? And, you know, so how do you coordinate that whole product roadmap at such a massive scale? Yeah, I think a lot of it is really communicating. Um, I don't think there's a simple answer. I don't think we have always the solution on this either. Um, but it's really understanding uh, and communicating what you're trying to achieve. Uh, there's some really amazing forums um, within the product teams and product org uh, that we actually are bringing these uh, test ideas or um ideas that we want to run the test out, uh, we bring them to a forum and actually discuss. And it, it helps broadly share what we're trying to achieve. And it allows each other to kind of poke holes in it and question it. And then also bring up those pain points that, hey, this probably can't run at the same time as X, Y, and Z because of, you know, this won't work well, there will be a terrible user experience. Um, but that's still not perfect. It's but I think it, it really takes a lot of coordination. Um, and just really socializing and sharing that context with more teams as much as possible. Uh, we write a lot of memos, like we're fans of like Google Docs, where you can actually share that with as many people as possible um, and, you know, weigh in and give comments and then also, you know, be able to, to share that with others that you think may affect uh, the test they're running. Um, but yeah, I don't think there's a perfect solution. It's, it's not easy, that's for sure. You guys have largely escaped, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's the, the culture that you're talking about and that your really mastery of this type of, of AB testing world and sort of global communication, because I can't think of a single time where you've rolled a feature out and like your users went absolutely nuts and like slaughtered you on the internet. And that happens to so many big companies. Do, do you attribute it to that, that culture and that sort of skill in this area? Yeah, I, th I think so. It's, I think just because really at the end of the day, you know, we might think we have a great idea and we think that, hey, this is a great user experience. Like there's often times where, you know, I've been doing this for so many years, I think I know best of like, oh yeah, this is a great user experience or like 
reducing steps is a great idea, like in something like a sign up flow, not always. And I think to me, going back to testing it and really putting it with production traffic is super important. Um, because then it, I mean, data shouldn't lie. It's like, it's, it's data and we're making data informed decisions. So I do really attribute a lot of that to the AB testing and really understanding that. Um, and also at the end of the day, yeah, we have a lot of traffic to, to do that with, but we also don't want to hurt the user experience just because we're testing, right? Like, so I think it's super important as we're doing these tests to really make sure that at the same time, we're not making a poor negative experience. Um, and we'll, we'll get those reads fast if, if the feature is not good we will know um, and it's not just asking for like feedback and like a qualitative survey it's like no it's real world traffic using this product and that they're almost unaware that that feature is being tested on them so can you you tell us any really you know sort of good stories of you know massive failure you know kind of phoenix rising from the ashes um, learning opportunities shall we say yeah, I love that you use the word learning. Um, that's actually something that I pride ourselves in those A-B tests is that even something that doesn't work as a feature, um, we should treat that as a learning. It, just because it's a failure doesn't mean um, it's absolutely a big fail. I guess if we keep trying to push it down <laughs> users' throats, that might not be a great thing. Um, but I think it's we can learn from those aspects. Uh, one that has really stuck out for me, and I've, I've even shared this um, like at some talks that I've given uh, at conferences about A-B testing, is this aspect of, like I think I alluded to it earlier, is that sometimes you know, reducing steps or friction um, is always going to be a better user experience. Or that's always been my thought and hypothesis is like, yes, anytime you can reduce steps, that's going to be better. Well, we found this uh, one test that we were running where we actually introduce some additional steps in our signup flow that actually perform better. And I'll explain why just as a brief one, it's hard to, you know, visualize you're not seeing it, but we added these uh, in between pages between steps. So it's like you're, you're getting a page before you're adding your email and password and it's giving you just a really brief uh, description of what you're doing. Like, Hey, you're going to be giving us your email password. Here's why. And there's a continue button right in this exact same spot. That I think is super important um, is throughout these additional steps, there's three extra steps that were added is it's giving the user to quickly skip past them really fast. Um, so the way I, my, my hypothesis and this is, or my opinion is probably the best way to put it is the reason why this worked is because you're able to give the information to someone who needs the additional information. So understanding what the steps are and then also making it very easy for someone who's like, yeah, 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 I get it. It can skip really fast because that button is right in that exact same spot um, and allows people to kind of push forward. But someone who needs more additional information, it's there. And, and you can give that to them and provide that. Because you don't know, unless you ask a question, I guess, up front is like, do you need lots of information or do you want to just do this as fast as possible? Um, so I thought that was a really unique one where my initial thought when we first started putting it together was like, there's no way this is going to be a better user experience. You're adding more friction and that can never be a good thing. And I guess in, in that learning, it's also that just we've got to test everything. You have to be of the mindset that you can completely suspend all of your assumptions. And that's, that's a difficult mental model, you know, to, to drop every bias that you have and, and all of your frameworks and try to go like, what if I had a clear mind about this? I mean, how do you even go about that? It's like, like a creative process. 
Yeah, I think it's I think it's being open to varying uh, ideas and opinions, and really understand. Okay, like uh, that first one, I wouldn't have agreed that that was a good idea necessarily. Um, obviously, I did think, yeah, we should test this and and find out what happens. Um, I think to me, is being helpful in that way is really thinking strategically. Okay, well, how do we best test this to make sure that we isolate the variables in a proper way to truly understand when that data comes back is this a good user experience or is it not? If we try and uh, add too many variables in a single variation, well, that might muddy up the data. And you're like, was it because we added those, uh, you know, additional uh, steps or was it because we changed some copy, you know, or changed some colors or a design layout? You have to really be thoughtful about like what you're isolating between those variables. Uh, so I think that that can really help. And, and just being open to like, yeah, we should test this. This seems like a plausible thing that we should understand. And, you know, if it didn't work, well, now you've learned, yes, definitively that this probably isn't the best user experience. How can we think strategically to iterate on that or move past it and like do something completely different? So we're in the business of, you know, sort of finding and, and hiring and vetting and certifying the very best developers, right? I mean, that's just our whole thing. And we spend a great deal of time on our kind of proprietary system. And we think we're pretty good at it. And it's working out really well. And yet, you know, I'm talking to tech leads every day on, on the podcast. And I, I really want to know, you know, just like, what are your heuristics? I mean, you're under, you know, you're in a position where you need to hire really excellent engineers you work at Netflix and you guys are famous for your engineering culture and everybody's paying attention you know what what is that process like and you know how do you know when you have a plus players ready to join the team wow that's uh, I mean it is a huge part of my job uh, I think it's it's super important to build out a strong engineering team um, you know and not necessarily even just like the most technical sound and you know best engineer out there. It's really about strategically about what do they bring to the table? Um, how do they integrate with the team? Um, how thoughtful are they to also question the product and user experience? I think that to me is really important too, is to have an opinion and challenging some of these ideas um, and really making sure that we're rolling out the best product, not just from a technical standpoint, but also from a user perspective. Um, and I think that's always important in our team is like we each have an opinion and thoughts. We should be sharing that. Um, but yeah, it's not an easy problem. I think the bar is set very high for our teams. Um, for me, it's often, I don't, necessarily always know like right away if someone's the right fit um, we also don't have a rigid interview process where you know Netflix is not somewhere I think the culture is it's not very process driven it's the sense that we we have a lot of freedom and so I have freedom to really under, decide like what's the best interview look like what's going to really let me know is this person the right fit for Netflix or are they the right fit for my team how can we vet those skills out um, I don't have to answer to like, you know, some other like HR or um, recruiting team to say like, you have to do these exact steps. Um, they might, they're helpful in there as partners to say like, hey, maybe you're not vetting this out or let's think about that. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't have to follow a prescriptive um, path. And I, I love that. I think that that's really important. I, I feel like interviewing is not perfect. I, I still don't think anyone does it right. Um, but not being able or not necessarily having to follow a set process has been very valuable um, and just being strategic along those and, and really constantly questioning the same as like the AB test is like cost, constantly questioning the process. Like what's working, what's not getting feedback from the engineers on the team uh, that are interviewing myself or the recruiting team, uh, but also 
hey, we just hired a new candidate um, who's joining our team. Feedback on the interview. What did you think? What was what could have been better? And so we're constantly doing that. And I think that continues to help the process. And it also allows us to think strategically about that next hire. All right, last question. So, you know, what what's next for for you? You know, passion areas and projects. What are you speaking at this year? You know, just uh, what, what kind of stuff is getting your mind moving? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, I think there's a lot of interesting work that uh, my team is specifically doing with that we haven't always typically done. Is like you think of Netflix as a you know we do a lot of video, correct? Like we do. Um, you know, there's something that to be said about that is that my team has you know has really focused on the sign-up flow and login and really thinking strategically around that. But I think there's also some ways that we can be pulling in video and really introducing Netflix earlier in the process. And so my team has been working on that, which I'm super excited for um, us to really test and, and figure that out. I think it's a, a new area and we'll see what happens. Uh, one that I'm always super excited about and passionate about, and I don't think we should ever lose this, is performance. Um, thinking about performance in all areas of the world that can vary of like the connectivity and to me it's so important to build a great user experience on a like 3g network to a very fast you know silicon valley connection how, how do we do that and make and be very strategic and thoughtful thoughtful about that um, so i think there's always a continuous thought and uh, way of testing or trying different things that uh, i always want to see our teams doing Ryan, super cool to have you on, man. Thanks for uh, the insights and spending the time with us. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for uh, having me on. It was a pleasure being on and uh, yeah, it was, it's great. I, hopefully there was some useful information. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, Head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.